podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is a View from the Bridge official podcast of the Belfast Giants for KingdomoftheGiants.com. Today's Wednesday, the 30th of January 2019. My name is Patrick Smith. The Belfast Giants got back to winning ways this weekend following, well, I guess it was three losses on the trot if you threw in the, uh, the game against Ireland, but a disappointed weekend that we spoke about last week against the Cardiff Devils and a difficult weekend this week with three in three and four in five. That fourth game is taking place right now as we record this in the Brayhead Arena, which is 20 miles outside of Glasgow for the Glasgow clan. Uh, and currently... It's a 2-1 game. We're playing great. The clan lead that game 2-1. Cal Bon has just scored on the power play after Goodvold got a 2 plus 10 plus 5 for instigating a fight against Jonathan Furland who only got five for fighting. We'll keep you up to date on the scores of a game that you already knew the result of, but we'll keep that going through this show. We'll start off, Mr. David McJimsey, how are you? Paddy, I've been better, to be quite honest oh, with man, you. That's you know, one deep I've, voice, you doing all right? I've got, I'm, I'm doing the Barry White tonight. I'm, I'm, I've, got the, I've got the seasonal um, the seasonal troubles, you know, the old, oh. old chest and throat, but we battle on, take He's one for the team. Soldiering on, mate, soldiering on, good to hear, good to hear. Soldier on, good, good, good ways, let's track that. <laughs> and uh, back this week, Joel Neal, how are you, mate? Good evening, friends, how are we doing, all good, all you good had one, You had one busy weekend writing up all those game reports? Yeah, we're back. Post game interviews, the works? Back at it this week, good fun, sure, get to camp out up in media and see all the goings on and have a chat. After it's nice to be in the middle of it, keeps me off the pints. A couple of statistics, guys, up in uh, some of your, some of your, uh, your. You speaking of soldiering on, some of your soldiers up in the media box doing the work, Davy. Did you pride, Davy? Can't can't actually thank them enough. I, I had a bit of a chat with um, Mike Hicks down in, in Cardiff about some things that were bugging me, and so we spoke to the club about it and said it would help us as a club if we had better access to to let the stats guys do things live rather than. You know, always retrospective. We can get things better on the night. You know, game sheets can be absolutely accurate on the night if we have the the people there to do it. And those guys want to volunteer. So they've, they've opened the suite up there to them just to to get in and do it. So credit to them. You know, and they're, they're able to fire their stats over to me almost straight away after the game. It's a great help. Yep, it's great to see. And they all they do a great job and help. Yeah, although, the team can you not? Everybody. Can you not dump like dip into the the stats uh, bank account and buy them some shirts and ties, man? What what kind of operation you run? <laughs> well, I, I I'm not going to say anything, Joe, but I was told that someone was in the media suite the other night um, in shorts, um, <laughs> leggings, <laughs> like man man leggings, like man um, leggings. Does such a thing exist? Apparently so. When you've any, got the, any, when any you, comment, when you've got the legs for it, you've got the legs for it. What can I say? <laughs> Goodness, where do you get things like that? I don't want to know. I did Dami's drawer. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, let's start tackling the uh, the action from the weekend. Um, statistically, there was a there was a there was a thing to celebrate as well. But we'll get to that in a second. And we'll start with the games at the SSC Arena on Friday and Saturday against the Five Flyers. When we get a double like this, we always 
chat about I'll run you through the stats first, then we'll talk about the two games. On Friday night, the Belfast Giants took on the Five Flyers and won 6-3, but it was the Five Flyers that scored first. Danico Day on the power play, just shy of five minutes, put them one up. But soon after, the Belfast Dadser got his first league goal for the Belfast Giants in this term, made it 1-1, and soon followed up by Jonathan Furlan to make it 2-1. Fife with Danico Day again, Leveled it off before the end of the first period. Only about 15 seconds left in the first period to make it 2-2. Into the second period, Cal Bond made it 3-2. Curtis Leonard made it 4-2. Jonathan Farland made it 5-2. And again in the final minute of the second period, five flyers pulled one back to make 5-3 from Joe Bazaraba. Bazaraba? Bazaraba it is. Mm. <laughs> and uh, scoring was rounded off in the third period by Blair Riley, who made it 6-3. In nets, Tyler Beskarowani, 29 saves on 32 shots. Shane Owen, 39 saves off 45 shots. Your two referees for that evening were Blake Colton and Chris Wells. And we moved on to Saturday against the Five Flyers, a much tighter affair, a 2-1 win for the Giants. Uh, Patrick Dwyer opened the scoring in the just shy of five minutes of the first period, uh, only to be levelled about five minutes, six minutes later by Mike Cazola off a terrible mistake by James Vandermeer. Uh, that was 1-1 at the end of the first. Into the second period, Patrick Dwyer got what was the game-winning goal with about a minute and 10 seconds left on the clock. That's a 2-1 win for the Giants, four points from four against the five flyers. Your score, sorry, your goalies were Tyler Beskarowani, 21 saves on 22 shots. Shane Owen, 37 saves on 39 shots. Your two referees that night were Stefan Hogarth and Chris Wells, uh, Davey, I'll start with you on this one. Um, Fife, they're a good side. They did go down to the Nottingham Panthers uh, the week before, but they're a strong side right in hand the league. This could have been a real banana skin. And on that game on Saturday in particular, the Giants came out with great force. Yeah, look, I think you know they've got really, really good goaltending and maybe just don't quite have the depth to, to compete at the very top end of the league. But, um, you know, I think the... The Friday game really swung on that that five on three penalty they took, and we were able to bang in, you know, the quick yeah. goal in the five on three, get the follow up goal in the power play, and then I think we'll, we'll come out. I think it's Lenny coming off. Um, or no, it's Ferdy. Sorry, Ferdy, Ferdy on the feed from from Blair Riley after an unbelievable outlet pass from from Kendall McFall from his own blue zone. Um, you know, those three quick goals sort of killed the game because it was it was quite a tight game even at that stage. You know, a couple of goals each and. Uh, it had been a good competitive start. I think the Belfast Giants, after that, were able to you know take the foot off the gas a wee bit and, and conserve energy in the in the last. And I think even through Saturday, and we'll come on to Sunday as well. I think the three games won't go down as classics. Just in my opinion, I think we did enough to get through the three games with also an eye on tonight. You no know, four games and five nights was going to be difficult, so we. You know, we wanted to conserve at the times of the game that we could. Like, it's it's one of those you're not going to have a classic every night. You know, if you're trying to win a championship, you'll still go through those games where where you haven't been brilliant, but you've done it. Like to put it another way, what's the story? Morning Glory has like hey now on it. You know, that's not it's a brilliant album, but it has wee fillers in there as well. You've got the second Oasis reference tonight, man. <laughs> you've got to. I'm not getting paid. Um, <laughs> yeah. You, you, um, You've, you know, you've got to go through these nights and I, I think it texts you during the game. I can't remember whether it's Friday night or Saturday night or even Sunday night just to say, man, this is this is quite a hard watch. But 
the, the most important thing is the scoreline when the final hooter goes and, you know, three wins, real important nights. Joel, Dave's absolutely right. That that five on three was the real bit where, where the game turned because you take the fact that Fife not only led, but were able to, to equalise De- real late into that first period and go into probably go into that break with their with their tails up, but uh, two power play goals midway through the second period just started to kill them off, and then the Furland goal really killed them off. Yeah, you don't need to look any further than the the second of those two games and and, and how tight a scoreline and how tight a game it was uh, to to sort of prove that point. I think. Uh, Davy Gallagher over there is right in what he's saying. Uh, you know, the, I think that we did enough. We were definitely not clinical in either of those five games. Uh, we did have our issues, to be honest. I mean, the, the Friday night, uh, we conceded in the last minute of, of the period twice. Um, a couple of absolutely howling defensive turnovers on the weekend. You know, Kevin Rain uh, with, with whatever that was in, in the D zone. Um, and then obviously Jim Vandermeer fanned on a D clearing pass on, on the second game. Joe, uh, just on, we, on, that, on that Vandermeer clearance, you know, some might yeah. say that's happened a bit too much. I've seen it. I've, I've seen the, the sort of, uh, I wouldn't say detractors, but I've seen the kind of grumbling voices. Um, about you know his his speed uh, about uh, kind of making those errors and, and to me though they're they're not they're not ability though I think I, I would say that they're form as opposed to ability you know uh, I think at the minute sometimes as a period winds down to a close we are maybe the first team mentally in that locker room um, and <clears throat> excuse me it's it's those kinds of little lapses as opposed to the fact that we don't have the quality um, I don't believe that those are permanent either but I but I do agree to an extent that they're happening a bit much at the minute. And it doesn't take much to lose a game or to throw a game away on a silly, costly error like that. Um, I, I hope that we got out of that weekend and that those mistakes were maybe the catalyst for change or a reminder. To be honest, I mean, uh, whenever I went down on Friday night into the tunnel to speak to Adam Keefe after the game, I said, I think my, my almost my, my word for word, I said, uh, the Giants have a tendency right now to concede at the end of a period. You know, it uh, twi- happened twice tonight. Is that something you can address? Is it is it mental? Is it a lapse in concentration? And uh, at, at the time, I thought he hadn't kind of taken it well. Like, I thought he was a bit rattled. He, he's like, well, you know, it, uh, I don't even like that you're saying that. You know, I, I'd, I'd hope that we'd addressed it. Um, I had a chat with him after after the, we, we finished rolling, and, and his line was, you know, I said that because you're right. You know, it's it's not something that we want to be known for. Uh, it's it's not the way we want to play our hockey, and it's something that we want to fix. So take comfort in that that it's not something that we're we're brushing under the carpet because we won two games. The coach is aware, the players are aware, and those are the little mistakes that could cost you points and ultimately cost you a title. This year is going down to the wire, and we need everyone's total buy-in. So there is some validity in those maybe complaints, those bits of grumbling that you see online or whatever else but I certainly don't think that it's a core problem and something that needs to be uh, long term or, or anything other than just a, a temporary dip in form. Davey, what was your take on Fife's performance through the weekend? Um, I thought they were pretty good. Um, I think they're, 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 they're going to take points off teams as well, obviously on the road and then the, they had their 3-3 three and three on Sunday that they weren't able to get back for because of the weather at home so you know they'll have to fit that game in somewhere, as along with with Cardiff, are going to have to come north again and 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 play that game. But um, I I talked about it earlier. Look, they're very very good special teams. Their power play moves the puck very well. They create a lot of opportunities with that extra man. And you know you have to be careful not to take penalties against them. I think that they were sharp. The likes of the Vandy turnover um, was a Kazoa 
Yeah. Got the goal. Uh, very, very quick. They just get in there, lift that up, you know, quick release on the shot, gets it up over Besco's pads and and in the top of the net. They take opportunities, opportunities, but I do think that they lack the depth of, of the other teams that are up towards the top of the league. I noticed that um, Joe Bazaraba actually got an abusive official at the end of that uh, on Sunday's game. Bit of a discontent with the referee. No? Who's that too? Who's that too? Either, either or. I honestly don't know. <laughs> I, no, I, I I'm, I'm actually I quite surprised because I haven't watched it. I don't understand what his problem was. No, I, I guess that's that's why I'm, I'm sort of I'm quiet here. Um, I'm having a Chris Kamara moment. Um, I, I don't... I, Jeff, I didn't, I didn't really pick up on it or, or notice anything. To be yeah, honest, like, to be fair, it it was on the t- bottom. It was on the twenty minute mark. It was right at the right. end of the game. So actually, probably you know post whistle. Uh, I'm, I'm like, in a game that didn't have many, especially on Sunday, a tight game that didn't have many um, penalties. I'm just yeah. looking. Okay, maybe in the in the second or third, the last run of them all went to five. But in a game that didn't have many penalties overall, I don't know what discontent you could have with the referee and I just think Paddy as you say there you know they took three in a row coaches always talk about you know even penalties even themselves up and of course across the across the game they evened up but when you take three penalties in a row even though they were they were quite well spaced out you know you're looking for the other team to take one to get yourself a, a power play opportunity and I think from that it, it's all you know at times officials take abuse to the shooting take but they're sometimes a bit thin skinned at the end of a game what's the necessity for that but Something was said, no doubt, and uh, it'll go on his record. Well, we'll move on. The, the, the highlights of those games are available uh, from Belfast Giants TV. You can also get them on uh, kingdomofthegiants.com, along with all the post-game interviews and the game reports, lovingly created by our good friend here, Mr. Joe. Oh, by the way, by the way, I know that you have said to him, Paddy, but like, that's the pressure that takes off us, Joel, as well, coming in and doing those game reports, and they were, they were excellent, especially yep. on these nights, getting the when they're on the road, to be able to call them up and get those interviews on and on after game. Well nope. played, big man. Top, yeah, top cheers, notch. Cheers, cheers. Nay dramas, nay dramas, boys. Top notch. Um, right, let's move on to a game that was not as tight as the game on Saturday, and that was the trip, the final trip of the season to Planet Ice and Milton Keynes to face the Lightning. Third game in three nights, notoriously for this Belfast Giants side, have been a tough one, and we've dropped far too many points on the third game than we care to actually want. Uh, not in this case. The Belfast Giants with a thumping of the home team. 9-2 it was to the Giants. I'll take a deep breath and run you through the scores. Darcy Murphy opened the scoring after about two minutes. Milton Keynes hit back on 12 minutes through uh, Golovkov's Golovkov's that Latvian international guy, that one. That one, that guy. And then the next run of goals were all the Belfast Giants. Still in the first period, Darcy Murphy gets his second. 18 seconds into the second period, Patrick Dwyer uh, gets his... Was that his third of the weekend? Yep. Yep. Then two for Josh Roach at 15 minutes and 19 minutes at the round of the second period, 5-1 to the Giants. Into the third period, Blair Riley makes it 6-1. Jonathan Boxwell makes it 7-1. Chris Higgins, unassisted, makes it 8-1. Michael Fine, on 14 minutes, makes it 8-2. And then Jonathan Boxwell, with what became a historic goal, made it 9-2. And we'll come to the history behind that goal in a short while. But that was a 9-2 victory for the Belfast Giants. In net, Stephen Murphy got the start. 
15 shots, sorry, 15 saves off 17 shots. Patrick Killeen, the other side, wow, 41 saves on 48 shots. That's quite the difference on attack between uh, Killeen and Murphy. Uh, your referees for the evening were Matt Thompson and Stefan Hogarth. Uh, Joel, I'll come to you to open this one. What do you say, Thumbin? <sighs> Look, <clears throat> the Milton Keynes Lightning absolutely suck. They're uh, they're terrible. They're yeah. absolutely god awful. Uh, I actually, I think probably my headline from this, the thing that I took away from it, is that I actually feel for Patrick Colleen. Uh, I think that he is, uh, in terms of his ability, a better goaltender than his goals against and his save percentage would would indicate. Um, I think that that Milton Keynes defense is just not up to scratch at all. I think for a lot of our offense, we were uh, absolutely destroying the D and we were, were hanging clean out to dry. And, and I would say the same for Goss. You know, Goss took over late in that game. He's had a, a, a one at least superb uh, outing against us where he was again peppered uh, with something like 50 plus shots in the game. So, I mean, there are gifted guys on that team, but that is not a team that is capable of being competitive to any degree in the elite ice hockey league. And to me, it's a fundamental thing. It's having the the, the infrastructure and the business and the money and everything else that, that makes a team competitive. Um, I'm sorry, but this year they're just make wits, and and I'm, I'm just glad that it wasn't a banana skin, and that we could go in for our third and three, and and carry out a professional job on the road, get Stephen Murphy between the pipes, and and then obviously an absolutely fantastic narrative and and what occurred that night, um, which would have, uh, I mean, the, the game itself would have been altogether forgettable, other than what happened with Colin Shields and and the various offshoots and little stories and details that that happened there, but um, I'm sure we'll discuss that in more detail probably right now. Well, no, just that we're going to come to that in a second. But, Davey, the, the one statistic, apart from the goals scored by the Belfast Giants, and I think it just falls back onto what Joel's saying, is the shots on goal against... Uh, you're absolutely right. I neglected to mention the fact that Adam Goss came in for 12 minutes of that game, um, faced, five, faced seven shots and saved five of them. But, Davey, that's, what, 50, 55 shots... Against. Well, we, we, we obviously Keelan tracks them for, for right. the club and, and I've, I've got them in front of me with 56 shots on target, 7 off target, 17 blocked. So in all, 80 shots thrown at the <laughs> at, at the um, MK Nets. And you know, like, Killeen's not a bad goalie either. So, no. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there, right? In my opinion, and it's only my opinion, um, who am I? I think Colleen is second only to Tyler Beskarowani in terms of goaltending ability in this league. That's a hot take, though. I mean, it might be, but Joel, I'm going to put put it like this: take Patrick Colleen out of um, out of out of the Milton Keynes Nets, and and, I'm only saying this in in hypothetical. You put him at the other end of the ice, and you have Jim Vandermeer, ice hockey player, Mark Garside, um, Lanny Roche, Swinney. You know, Rainer, McFall, yeah. you put them in front of Patrick Colleen. Yeah. That's not a, you know, the, the, the result is completely the other way around. You know, he's a really, it might, you might think it's a hot take. I think he's as good as there is in this league behind Tyler Beskarani. I think yeah, I you're right. I don't disagree. I called him gifted in the game report because because he has got that. But it's definitely a hot take because he's rock bottom in the league in GAA and save percentage. It's there's no way that's not a spicy take, mate. Well, that, that's fair enough. You look at the amount of of, of robberies facing, you know, on a nightly basis, and yeah. that club is a club in turmoil. And one one thing I would say is we have to put our hands together and pray to the hockey gods now that that club can find it in themselves to get through this season. 
because if that club dropped out, we're the only team that's played them six times and taken 12 points. That's 12 points off our stand. Should they, you know, should they go? And I've heard various things about how tenuous they're, they're, they're keep on, on the league, is at the minute? We, we need to get the buckets out if we need to. But, you know, that's a, it's, you know, you don't like to see an organisation comes in the league. We want the league to strengthen, but that has to be done on a good business model. And obviously they're struggling at the minute. And, you know, fans will go away. You know, the Belfast Giants could have went on if we had wanted to and made that game double figures. I had three goals per team. I'm pretty disappointed in Stephen Murphy there. They couldn't have three one in for me. But keep, <laughs> keep her maybe pull a goalie for five minutes or something. But um, Do you not drop the mortgage on the over, no? Was, no, I, I dropped it on three goals each. Um, <laughs> So I'm still making those gains up again this week, but um, well, just just to back you up on that on that the fact that we faced Ritten Renon in the uh, in the semi final of the Continental Cup, they were in that tournament on the basis of being the Italian champion, backstopped by Patrick Killeen, who had the best save percentage in the, in Italy at uh, 0.929 and a goals like best goals against at 1.97. So you don't go from being that sort of a lights out goalie that is able to lift a domestic championship and put your team into Europe and all if, of a sudden fall a bit. He's in a team that aren't backing him. Yeah, if Patrick Clean, Patrick Clean was obviously made promises coming into Milton Keynes, you know, of course their coach and all his chance since the start of the season. He was made promises when he came in there. You know, I would be surprised if Patrick Clean doesn't make a step up the ladder this, you know, this coming off season. If he stays within the UK, he will not be in a in a basement dwelling team next season. Yeah. Know any team that might want to pick up a netminder? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's let let's get to the actual importance part, and I, I am going to stick with you, Davey, because as the as the um, as the uh, sorry, Colin Shields historian. As the, yeah, that, I think that's how it was put, wasn't it? The 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 uh, the Colin Shields history. Do you know what? I, I can't find my uh, my link to the stat. Oh, there it is. <laughs> I'm actually just trying to stall by just looking I'm through a whole list. This board's getting bigger. As the official statistician or the lead statistician for the Belfast Giants, you were the first one to stick out uh, the fact that the final goal of that game, Jonathan Boxwell, assisted by Curtis Leonard and Colin Shields, was significant because it made Colin Shields the all-time leading scorer in Elite League history. Let's get my grumble out of the way first. It shouldn't have been me doing it. It should have been the official elite league Correct. doing it. Um, and, and, and still, I think what they've put out is village. Um, I have so much time for Ben Davies as a hockey player. But oh, the yeah. story the story okay. of the, the player of the week, you know, played three games, won three games, scored points in two of them, became the all-time leading scorer in this league. Uh, longevity, creativity... You know all the things that go along with college and he's not the player. That aside, you know. Um, no, but as as I said to a good friend of ours, Steve Packer, I went. I started by saying that is unbelievable. No, it's not unbelievable. I actually believe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. disappointing but not surprising. Yeah, six hundred and sixty-one games of elite league action. We know that Sunday night was also in just that little anomaly. Five hundred ninety-first game plus nine European games, six hundred games for the Giants. First Giant the. We know he was first Jan to five eighty five, but if you add in the Europeans, then Wally goes up towards five ninety. But Sheds becomes the first player to play six hundred times for the club. Two hundred ninety one goals in the league, four hundred forty one assists, seven hundred thirty two points, overtaken 
is good friend David Clark. And Clark has been very magnanimous with some of his statements he's made. We've got a wee little piece from him later as well. You know, he just keeps rewriting records. There's only one stat that he's yet, and I'm hoping he's, I'm not going to put it out there because I hate putting the hex oh, on anybody. But, you know, he holds every scoring record at this club. And I know that when I was on stage at McCool's and we were asked, you know, for the greatest player of all time, and for me, the greatest giant that has represented this club is Jason Ruff in terms of he went to the NHL. He could he could fight, he could score, he could do assists. He could have played nets if you wanted to. But for me, if you're going to look at our overall history, contribution to our club, contribution to our city, getting it, scoring goals, getting assists, breaking records, Colin Seals kind of stands peerless in terms of the greatest player to play for this club. It's difficult to disagree with that. Joel, your take? Yeah, the uh, and this is a safe zone for me because it's not statistical, but a couple of the other kind of pieces of narrative from how he did it. Not only all of that, but on his birthday and yeah. with his and with his cousin between the pipes uh, and what are the odds, you know, with Tyler Beskarowani obviously taking more or less the starting goaltender's position this year. Just one of those fantastic alignment of all of the hockey planets and a phenomenal moment. Uh I, I mean, I can't agree more. I, we've had this discussion, I guess, on our on our wee kind of group chat and, and in person and, and I guess on the show as well before. Uh, the Giants possibly are hasty to add numbers to the rafters. Uh, and I know that there are reasons for that in the early years. You, you, you were looking at a club that you didn't know if you were going to be here in 20 years' time, whatever else, and you wanted to give a nod to the people that made the club what they were. But I've always been cautious of how quick we are to talk about Jersey retirement. But I will be heartbroken if I ever see another man take to the ice in Belfast in a number 19 jersey. If that isn't basis for, if that isn't the blueprint for why a club should retire a jersey, I don't know what is. That number 19 deserves to hang in the rafters forever and a day. Of course, Colin Shields wore 18 when he first came to the club, but we skipped past that really quickly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I was, th- I was thinking no, that no, very I- thing. And I agree with you. And I actually had a chat on the phone with Sis today about retired jerseys because it's obviously our, our guest later in the show, in my opinion, certainly deserves his to be up there. We we did that as as an early, you know, as you say, Joel, things weren't good with the club. We didn't know what was going to happen. Shirts got retired. Things happened. And, uh, you know, we, we live the legacy that we have from that. You know, one little thing that happened during the, the, the tail end of the game whenever you know it's, it's, you've had three and three nights you can roll your lines you can roll the guys you have played that much over the weekend at one time we had Stephen Murphy and Nets we had Swinney on D with ice hockey player Mark Garside and Hoogie Boxy and being laid up front by Shedsy phenomenal the whole, the whole British pack out on the ice at the same time leading away and you know that's just an, a, a nice little segue but yeah look in terms of short retirements that's something that'll, that'll happen for Sheds down the line, I've got no doubt about that. There's a few other players within the organisation maybe that, that could also get them up there, but that's a, that's a debate for another day. Just congratulations, I guess. Paddy, you, you must have something to add. Yeah, I absolutely do. I think the, Colin Shields, the longevity of Colin Shields has been phenomenal for the Belfast Giants. And yes, he had his sojourns in, in Sheffield, which you don't really talk about unless you're Mark Hitchcock. And uh, <laughs> he calls him Sheffield Steelers legend. Uh, and um, and Newcastle and I was in Newcastle when he played for Newcastle and watched him week in week in week in week, in, week out there and he was loved there as a player because of his ability. I remember going all the way back to um, when he played at Maine and our good friends um, 
Gavin Hall and, and Ian, the whole man, whole man, going out there to watch him play NCAA, <laughs> talking about talking about Colin Shields and you know this guy with the flow, just playing for Maine, enjoying himself. British player with a lot of talent. He's going to come back to the UK at some point, and when he does, he's going to rip it up. Absolutely correct. He came back, and every te- every single team in this league wanted him. And thankfully, thankfully, he stuck with the Belfast Giants, and he's become. And as you say, Davy took every single scoring record that this club had to offer, and more power to him because I think he's well worth it. And it's, I hope he's uh, like you say. We'll hear from a few comments from people in just a few moments, but I think you know one of the comments is that we hope there's a a little bit of wine left there. We hope we see him playing for the Giants furthermore and extend that so that in generations to come when the Giants touch wood are still going that those records from Colin Shields still stand I, I, I totally stand by the fact that it was an absolute disgrace the way that the, the league didn't recognise him immediately in the way that he should have been recognised because a scoring record like this league wide is something that stands up for the league and no better player to have gained it than Colin Shields and he gets I mean, he gets my congratulations. He doesn't need my congratulations, but he, you know, hmm. he gets the thanks and the congratulations, no doubt, from the entire Belfast Giants fan base. Um, and on that note, I think we'll hear a few little comments and a few congratulations from people right around the league. Gets it out to Colin Shields. He throws one towards it and Colin Shields gets his first goal of the season. Coming off the bench, all fresh. The Giants go 4 0 up. That's his first goal of the season, as Patrick Smith would say. Just another goal, just another day for the Belfast Giants, all time leading scorer. Hey Sheds, it's Boxy. Uh, I just want to say congratulations on the points record. Um, it's been a real privilege to play with you and uh, just to be involved on that record scoring goal um, is a real honour for me. And uh, yeah, just uh, good luck the rest of the way. Lordy, lordy, number 40. Wow, what a career so far. 291 goals, 732 points. Colin Shields has been an offensive dynamo for club and country. Murph here from Free Sports Television. I've been lucky to call some of Colin's goals over the years, and he continues to amaze me with his hands and his hockey IQ. I look forward to commentating on many more magical number 19 moments. Shieldsy, congrats on the milestone, buddy, and keep her going. Colin has just scored 732 points in the Elite League and has just became the most successful player that has ever played in this league. You must be very proud. Absolutely. Um, Colin has worked so hard. He's come through lots of adversities to get to that point. But, you know, he he just deserves everything that, that people say about him. He's a very fine, rounded young man. <laughs> And we we talked on Sunday about some of the influences that he's had through that career. Yeah, Colin's been very lucky along the way. You know, he went to school, first of all, in Saskatchewan and Notre Dame. Then he went to Canada and met up with Danny Lawrence, who 
was immensely uh, helpful, you know, towards just readjusting, living away from home. Um, from there, he went to Cleveland, and another great, honest um, coach was Tim Alexander at the Cleveland Barons, and he again was was so positive and so helpful, um, and had a great understanding of Colin, which I think Colin is quite complex, but. Um, it was it, he had a great understanding, and then of course, finally, it was um, Sean Walsh at the University of Maine. And um, the tragedy there was that he didn't get to impart all of his positivity and goodness into Colin because sadly he passed away before uh, Colin really came to the front forefront at Maine. But we'll never forget him um, and and just how positive and how unique he said Colin could be. And I know that you'll not want to polish your own halo or indeed that of Martin's, but, you know, (laughs) those early days and and so many stories around hockey of how parents have been so influential and worked so hard to get their their children to where they get to. Well, absolutely. Um, Colin's father, Martin, um, absolutely, you know, worked so hard on and off the ice to make sure that Colin always had everything that he needed Martin obviously was a GB player himself and, and worked with Colin and Colin was an eager learner, I have to say. He was always, you know, last off practice, always out in the garden shooting pucks, always rollerblading, always wanting to do more and more and more. So I think it was essential that, you know, his dad was that key role in that because on and off the ice work ethic, I think, has a huge part to pay in. To play in any of the success and just a couple of days ago obviously his 39th birthday you were there right at the start and uh you know what am yep. i what a milestone for him I, I, it's great that you know there's there's a few milestones that you maybe had hoped that he could achieve you know we had wonderful success at the gb tournament um that was held in belfast which again was a unique and you know unrepeatable circumstance where you know he became the all-time goal scorer for GB and again you know these are milestones that are huge in sport in any sport and uh, I think in the ice hockey world I think it's great that he has developed and but I think he deserves it I think he's worked exceptionally hard and still continues to do so Um, Um, you know and 600 games on Sunday night for the Belfast Giants as well, just another milestone, just to go with the, the, oh, the points really? records. Oh, really? Was yeah. it really? I didn't. Yeah. I didn't realize that. First player to first first player to play six hundred games for the Giants. Oh, I didn't realize that as well. Well, that's that's another thing. I mean, obviously now he's in in Belfast and married to the lovely Claire, and you know, settling in, working hard, has the gym. So it, it's nice when somebody. Not even because it's Colin. It's nice to see that hard work and dedication is is rewarded. But not only that, I think that off the ice, I think Colin has learned a lot of lessons. As in, you know, people are very valuable. You know, people. You have to be. You have to treat people correctly. Their fans have to be treated properly. You have to respect. You know that without them, you know, teams don't exist without them. So. Those are a huge part, and I think in Belfast, even more so, I think it becomes comes to the forefront. And in another just complete random twist of fate, 
Belfast and and Glasgow this last couple of days was the big boy able yeah. to get, was the big boy able to come home for a cup of tea? Uh, he, we did. We had a cup of tea and uh, we went for a nice lunch and an early dinner um, yesterday. So that was celebrating his birthday. So uh, it was it was exceptionally nice. We don't usually get that. Um, luxury. <laughs> and, and absolutely no doubt about it, Martin had the pay. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, you know him well. <laughs> uh, we will we'll leave it there, Margaret. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Thanks and good luck. Adam Keefe here, just uh, want to wish a congratulations to Colin Shields for becoming the EIHL all-time point scorer. That's no easy feat and, and a special one, uh, especially for uh, Colin uh, to make it happen on his 39th birthday. It was extra special to be a part of and, and to be there to witness it. Uh, um, he's a special player and a special servant to this club here in Belfast. And, uh, we wish him all the success going forward. And, um, amazing achievement and, and nobody can take that away from him, that's for sure. on becoming the all-time leading point scorer in the Elite League. A uh, huge accolade, one you rightfully deserve after all the big years you put in in uh, Sheffield, Newcastle, but most notably Belfast. Always been a huge player year in, year out for whatever team you've played on, as well as being huge for the national team all those years. Um, it's been a privilege playing alongside you for the national team and sharing success. Um, and it's also been fun battling with you, uh, even in the 50 cuffs, which you comfortably won. Um, all I ask, please leave me with my goals accolade when you finally decide to, to hang your, your skates up. Um, apart from that, brother, keep on trucking. All the best for the rest of the way. Um, and I'm sure there's uh, a few more good years left in that fine wine that is Colin Shields. All the best, mate. Clarky. Fabulous piece. Well done, Davey. I think it was brilliant putting the effort into that and well-deserved. Congratulations to Colin Shields. Um, we've got a bit of a thing to talk about in a second, a bit of a mystery guest, which I'll introduce. Before we do that, big shout-out to our sponsors. Phonacab, who sponsored the Player of the Month Award, something we'll talk about in a second as well. Uh, TPF, Total Performance Fitness, speaking of Colin Shields, uh, who's who kindly sponsor all those post-game interviews. And you'll be able to hear that post-game interview with Colin Shields that Joel did after the game against Milton Keynes, along with the post-game chat with Adam Keefe, where he talks about that record as well, on our SoundCloud account and on kingdomofthegiants.com. But if you like your beer the way that I like beer, the way that Joel likes beer, that's it on this panel, I believe, <laughs> then you should get involved with beer52.com, the UK's number one beer subscription service. They give you craft beer from all across the world, different themes every single month. If you go to beer52.com forward slash AVFTB will get you that first box for free. Uh, thanks to beer52.com for the support. Thanks to all our sponsors for their support. And thanks to you guys for supporting them and therefore supporting us. Tuesday the 19th of February is the date of Stephen Murphy's testimonial. 
what is going to be yet another fantastic nostalgic trip down memory lane with a number of great players coming back to be part of Stephen Murphy's team up against the Belfast Giants. And just in the last few weeks, we've heard the fact that you know, Mark Morrison's part of the team, Spiro Galakis is part of the team, Kevin Surrett, and of course, there'll be two number 27s on the ice, not just Kendall McFall, but the legendary Paxton Schulte will be one of the te- one of the players to take part in Stephen Murphy's testimonial. We are delighted and honoured to be able to bring you the next name on that roster. And it isn't just any old name. It's a player who is a two-time Elite League champion, a Challenge Cup winner, a Knockout Cup winner, a playoff champion. And for six seasons, he was the captain of your Belfast Giants. And and if you listen to this regularly enough, you know that me and David are very much in agreement. One of the best four-checkers to ever Mm -hmm. put on the shirt. And I can only introduce him as Super... George Awada. George Awada, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. Listen, we, 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 pre- we prefaced this with the fact that it's uh, Stephen Murphy's testimonial and you're coming back on the ice. Let's start with that. Um, you back in training? Uh, no. <laughs> in, in more in spirit than body. <laughs> what? You're not taking this seriously? This is a serious affair. <laughs> It it is for him, <laughs> but I think the rest of us are going to have as much fun as we can. How great That's is to have the, how great is to have these sort of events where you have like you, you get together with some of the old guys and uh, and enjoy and celebrate what is a fantastic career of Stephen Murphy. Yeah, no, it it, it is a, it's a great thing. You know, the, my first one was um, uh, with uh, Todd Kelman when he had his, mm-hmm. and it was just I mean, you know, Todd does everything big and lavish and everything, so it was. It was a big thing. So just just having that experience and knowing what what it's all about, it's it's awesome, and it and, and it's well deserved for Steve. Um, and just just seeing the names that are coming up, popping up, it just it's crazy because you know you kind of you don't you know you lose touch with guys, but you still once you get to back together again, you just all the old old stories and memories come back together. And, um, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. George, let's let's use that segue about old man. You come into the Belfast Giants back in sort of the late summer in 2004. What are your memories of of landing in Belfast, you know, after a year in Manchester and then just picking up where you left off and, and starting with the Giants? Um, it was it was crazy. You know, it was, it was a good, you know, like I said, like I've always said, like whenever I was with Manchester and coming over here, this was like, it was like the best road trip. You know, you got a bit of everything. It was an awesome rink, awesome fans. All that was great. And then the city was just as good, you know? So when I signed with the giants and coming in, it was, it was like, it was like a new lease of life. It was a good experience. Um, You know, I had a good time in Manchester, but it was just, I was excited to get her going. And then just having Tony um, at the helm and stuff, it was, it was, it was kind of a new experience for him. So we're all in it together. Um, And I think we had a good, good group. Uh, We pulled together and, you know, it, it was just a lot of fun. It was, you know, because some of the old boys, you know, Kurt Bowen was around, Jason, Killer, uh, Johnny, you know, some of those old guys from the old Giants days were there. And they kind of, they're there to, to bring us into the, the new era, more or less, of, of, of Giant hockey, you know. And it was, I, was, I was, you know, proud to be a part of that. And it was, it was, it was a lot of fun, a lot of great memories on that. Um, obviously picked up a, a trophy that season, which must rate highly in you. You know, in the pantheon of the things that you picked up, the crossover <laughs> cup that we picked up that season. <laughs> <laughs> I still, whenever you say crossover cup, I think of um, uh, who scored the goal. Must be you uh, must be talking about Roman Gavalier. 
Roman. Celebration. Roman does the canoe down the yeah. <laughs> and it was it was hilarious because you know we all knew what the cup was and you know just the disparity in the leagues and stuff. But it was still it was yes it was a great thing to win something. But for him to see that he was like a you know a six year old kid, you know winning his first trophy or doing something whatever it was just it was awesome. But it was it, but again it was you know we had a bunch of you know it seemed like a bunch of random dudes in there in you know in this team. And we came together and we won something, which is great because it doesn't matter what league, where you are, if you win a trophy, doing something, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very rewarding in saying that. I guess one of my kind of rules within the organization mm-hmm. that I, I, I keep the stats for the club and, you know, George Awada, 376 games, 149 goals. Do you remember your first one? Um, I, no, I don't <laughs> believe it or not. Or do you? <laughs> I, I do. It was your first goal for the club was a game-winning goal against the Sheffield Steelers away on a 3-0 win way back in nice. September 2004. Nice. So your first of your 149 goals was was a game-winner. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no, like, I, it, it was, you know, I've never been, you know, even coming in the Giants, like, you know, I did all right with Manchester and stuff, but, like, prior to that, I was never, like, the, the go-to goal scorer guy, but it was just you know, I was able to play with the right players and, you know, especially playing with Tony and, and that, and, you know, and Hoppy too. Like, like there were some good players out there that could give me the puck and just had a lot of good opportunities to shoot and score. Um, but, you know, beating Sheffield in Sheffield 3 nothing. that's, yeah, <laughs> that is a good memory to have being my first one for sure. And, and before, well, I don't want to make us a David interview here. Before. Joe, you, mean, you and I just <laughs> step out here. Just I'm enjoying I, myself. This is great. I, I could talk about the old days forever. You know, when you came yeah, into yeah. Belfast, you were you were given the responsibility. You know, for for like five year seasons, you were captain. You came in the first season, alternate captain. You, did you come to Belfast when Tony spoke to you and, and the club brought you over? Were you expected to come in that leadership role straight away? Not at all. Not at all. Like I I knew I was you know obviously I went into Manchester, which was kind of a new franchise, right? They just kicking up after the storm and stuff. So. I came in somewhat as a veteran player and, you know, took on a, a captainship there, but coming in here, just knowing the players and, you know, the, the history of the team and, you know, with Johnny and killer and all those guys in the locker room with Bozies, um, it was just, it, I, you know, I, I fed off of what they were doing and the way they, you know, want, you know, the giants game was and the history and stuff. So I just did my game and played the way I wanted to play um, and got on with Tony you know, I obviously he was, you know, player coach. There's a lot of responsibilities. So he, he probably, you know, he needed to divvy out some, some things to certain players. And he never directly said anything to me or anything, but it was just, it was kind of, it's what I've done in my career is just jump on board and try to lead by example. And, you know, you get the right, right group of guys in a room and it, it all works out eventually. George, it's, it's Joel here. Uh, and unlike the, the two old hands on the panel here, I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, yeah. John, I'm the Johnny come lately. <laughs> Bridge, my my first season, kind of uh, after falling in love with the club, was 2010 and 11. That was obviously the season after um, you had departed and mm-hmm. you didn't you didn't play that year. Um, but I I was uh, still to this day one of the things I'm most grateful for is the the 2011 12 season. Whenever we took a uh, obviously not not the injuries and the departures, but we Benoit uh, Doucette went down early. Um, the great Brock McBride departed for Sunnier Shores, and, and I had the privilege of of watching you suit up in Belfast for 38 games. Um, so uh, 
the one thing I've always wanted to talk to you about and, and ask you about uh, after having come back and, and contributed so well to, to a championship winning team was that uh, title clinching weekend against the Sheffield Steelers in our own barn. Uh, it was it was an out-of-body experience for me. I've never experienced a sporting atmosphere like it. Uh, it was 1v2. It was whoever took the weekend took the championship. Uh, do you have memories of that weekend? Do you have memories of, of the day before the game, the game itself, the boys that were on your team that year, and obviously the wild celebrations after whenever you won that title for the boys and for Doug Christensen? Yeah, no, it was, it, you know, it was, that was a whirlwind, whirlwind season um, for, I think for everybody, the way it all, you know, happened. And, uh, you know, I, when I'd come back, I was, um, I was in pretty good shape. I had kind of, I always tried to be ready to play at some point, you know, especially when I was living here or coming back here. Um, and just when the opportunity came up, it was, it was awesome. And it was, it was great to jump on board. Um, I know Doug, you know, pretty good. I played against him. Um, we got some old acquaintances that he played with in the past. So it was just, it was kind of an easy situation to fall into, especially knowing all the old guys and stuff that were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the, the run that we put together um, leading up to that, those title, that title weekend, whatever it was, was, it was pretty remarkable to be a part of because we, we had a meeting, we sat down um, in a hotel can't remember if it was Coventry or, or where we were, but we, we discussed what we had to do and we had to win whatever the last, you know, 19 games or whatever it was um, yeah. to put us in a position to, <laughs> to, to win a title or be, you know, in a position to, do, you know, even just salvage the season. And we did, you know, we did it and it was, it was just, everyone committed to it. It was, you know, a bit of luck, a bit of, you know, quality that was on the team. Um, and you know, everything just worked that, that whole season. It was, it was awesome to come back into that because that's what, you know, Giants hockey was all about. And that's what I knew. And I was just able, you know, just glad I was able to be a part of it. Um, and just, you know, play with the boys again, get a trophy and, you know, to beat again, to beat Sheffield because, you know, I played Manchester for a year. So I, you know, I had a lot more angst towards Sheffield. With that rivalry, just they were good. They were a good team. We were a great team, um, and it was just yeah. it was awesome. It was very awesome. Where, where does that title rank for you? Uh, obviously, uh, Paddy has already gone through some of your achievements, in past, and and I've kind of gone through the last decade watching footage of you lifting the Challenge Cup in Dundonald in front of an absolutely packed building. It's probably the most yeah. people that have been in Dundonald since it opened. <laughs> yeah. where, where does where does that just the, the narrative of that? Uh, you, the last championship that you won in Belfast to me was special. You know, 2010-11 when obviously you weren't there, we missed out on the league by a point, a single yep. point, and, and to, yep. to mount that challenge and, and to 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 mix uh, to humble John DeCaro in the Sheffield net that weekend like we did, it's got to be up there in terms of your achievements. Yeah, but, you know, yeah, totally. I mean, obviously, it was it was more of a personal achievement for me. You know, obviously, it was great for the team, and everything. But after you know not playing for a year and then coming back. Um, and just being a part of all that, um, it was kind of, it was sweet. You know, obviously we won it before. I've won it, you know, been able to lift the cup before, but after not playing for a year and then coming back onto a team that was, you know, we built ourselves into a contender and then pulled it off. And obviously the playoffs are, I mean, you could, anybody can win the playoffs, but winning the league's pretty tough. And that's, you know, that's what the league structured. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, that would, that was, uh, for me in my my lifetime of playing hockey that was probably the best to come back 
Um, and I still look at the, the, the pictures and everything. And my, my daughters and I were just talking about it tonight because <laughs> we have a picture of me with the cup. And I think my other daughter, my youngest or my oldest, who was the youngest then, obviously. And, uh, it just, you know, they're awesome. They're all great memories. All the trophies are awesome. Um, but just being, you know, winning that last trophy in my career was probably, you know, never going to forget that one. And I, to this day, have the signed uh, team photo in my hallway. So face is one of the first things I see every time I come. <laughs> it was, I think it was special for everybody. And it's, it's been, it's been great to have a chance to talk to you. Thank you, George. Cheers. Yes. Yeah. No, thank you. The, um, you made that jump, and like you say to to join the Manchester Phoenix in three oh four, and then you, know, you having spent some time with Albany in the AHL, a bit of time in the ECHL, out of coming out of college at, at um, St Cloud State University, but you stuck with the Giants for those what six seven seasons. What was it about the Giants? Why? What? What about that organization? Why did you stick with the Giants for so long? Um, you know, it was. I was just tired of jumping around. I, I thought I was, it was, it seemed like every team I was going to was either disbanding or something was happening. You know, it wasn't had to, thank God it had to have anything to do with the way I was playing. You know, I was doing as well as I could um, wherever I was at, but it was just, I wanted some, uh, a team, a club to play for. And like I said, when I was in Manchester, it was, it was a great time, but it was pretty dysfunctional there. You know, they're still trying to rebuild what they came off of from the storm. So, I, you know, I had a few other options with other teams in the league. And like I said, it was just, you know, Belfast always seemed, it seemed like it was a good fit. And then, you know, talk with Tony and everything and John Elliott coming, you know, leading up to that season. It was, it all worked out, came in, had a very good year with the boys, with Tony and, you know, Hops and those guys. And it was, it was a good time. And I wanted to, you know, replicate that and keep it going. And it was just, it just seemed like it was a good fit. The fans were awesome. You know, that's that's always a thing that Belfast will always have is the fans at the home, but all, you know, going away when you're going over to, you know, all the arenas over there and Cardiff and Sheffield, Nottingham, and we have our fans there. It's pretty sweet because we know how hard the travel is for us, but we can imagine, you know, people making the efforts to get over there and support us. That was awesome. The rink's awesome. The talent's been great. Um, and just, just the people involved with Gillespie and John Elliott, you know, those people early on, Gowdy, Richard Gowdy in the office, you know, mm-hmm. just, it was just, it was all, it was all comforting. Um, and like I said, it was a good fit and I had some good success and they just, you know, like I said, I was just, I wanted to settle up and, you know, focus on my career and, you know, have, have a good push <laughs> and we were able to have some good teams, you know, you know, throughout the years and win some trophies. Uh, you'd, you know, as Davey mentioned, you had five years as, as captain of the club, and you, we look now, and since then, you know, we, we have a captain of the club now coaching in in Adam yeah. Keith. Uh, yeah. You know, having that role, Blair Riley now in six seasons as, as captain of the club. How important is it uh, that role to have that captaincy role? And, and what are your thoughts on on the on the incumbents that have it now? Um, well, obviously, you know, Kiefer's awesome. I love Kiefer. He was. I played with him for a short time there, but he could tell he was, he knew what it took. You know, obviously he did a different part of the game than, than most players do. And, but he is also able to play the game. That was a big thing. And, uh, you know, those guys get a lot of respect throughout the league, not just within their team, but, you know, Kiefer's earned everything he's got. And I'm, you know, very happy for him. And that was obviously, it's an awesome fit for him. And I've been following the team a lot over the last few years since he's taken over. And it's, it's good to see. It's good to see the way the shape, you know, the, where the team's going and, 
the game they're producing and the wins they're getting, you know, and the success. And, and with Blair, like, you know, just, uh, you know, people recognize different characteristics that they like as their captains and, you know, having Kiefer as your coach and your leader, he's going to know, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of shoes to fill there, right. Coming in after him and he's found a guy that's done it and it's awesome. And that's, you know, every team has their different elements that they need um, for leadership. There's a lot of guys in that locker room that don't wear the C, um, you know, that bring, that just help that leadership group just as much, you know, and that, that's important for every, everywhere you go. And like, like for myself too, that's the way it was as well. Um, but it's, you know, again, it's, it's the way the team wants to mold themselves, the way they play the games and the, you know, the leaders come out of that. And, and some players just like to like to play and some players like to lead. And that's, you know, which is great. But, you know, it's the way the team's rolling, especially this year, you know, some of the characters on there, um, they're, they're fun to watch. I mean, I've seen plenty of highlights. I watch them every weekend um, and the team's exciting. I've been talking to Key for a little bit and, you know, he's he's always trying to push the guys because he knows how good they can be. And I think they've they've shown that, you know, in the last you know, 15, 20 games here. I think it would be a pretty big compliment to to Blair, to Blair Riley for our current captain to be sort of mentioned in the in the bracket as as yourself who captained the team for you know several years more than that. You played in kind of every situation, you know, even strength. You you killed penalties. We we talk often about you know George Wada being the, the probably for certainly for me and Patty. You know, Joe will be different because he's came slightly later. He'll have he'll have different favorites in that. But probably the best pure penalty killer the club have ever had. And that came up, you know, nine nine short-handed goals, 21 power play goals. You know, you played in every situation. When you came to Belfast, were you expecting to be such a go-to guy? No, not at all. Like, you know, like I said, that those first years, we, you know, it was, the league was a lot different. Um, and, you know, having Tony as a player coach, we we had to play a lot, a lot more, I think, because just his coaching style, that's what it was. Um, and so he just got thrown in it and, you know, we, did, we got some opportunities to do stuff and I was able to, like I said, you know, get some success out of it. Um, just thanks to a lot of, you know, the players I was with, but, um, it was always, you know, just trying to outwork the guy next year across from you was kind of the thing, you know, that's, that's kind of a motto I always had. And especially on the penalty kill, you know, you're, you're, you're down a guy, but there's no reason he can't go just as hard and same with the power play. And, that's always been my thing. I actually, you know, at St. Cloud, I had, I had some fun in my later in my career where I was able to score, you know, the three shorthanded goals <laughs> in one game. And that kind of, you know, I don't know if that typecasted me as being a penalty kill, like a specialty penalty. I mean, you just have to work harder and want to get the puck and, you know, the good things will happen. You know, whether you score or not, if you do what you got to do on the defensive end, you're going to get opportunities down at the other end. And, you know, that's, that kind of started me as, is that, you know, taking that role on, but just, it just pride wanting to do the best it could every time I hit the ice. And that was, that was, that was pretty much it. Well, much as I could crack a beer here, George, and, sit and, and talk, talk about the old days, <laughs> we, we have to bring things to a close. On behalf of Simon Kitchen, that this Sunday against the Nottingham Panthers, there's a very special George Awada fan appreciation event for OSC members up in the West Lines. Our George and his family are going to be there to do the drop 
dropping the puck and start a game, doing the Malamatch Award, just having a, a great night of reminiscing and stuff with with George. So we look forward to that. But one thing that we do when we're fortunate enough to get a player on every week here, we have a little quick fire question around with them. And Jasmine right. Kitchen, Simon's <laughs> daughter, sends the yep. questions in, and we hammer them right. out. And they're just first thing that comes into your head here. Okay. All right, I'll I'll give it a shot. <laughs> so here we go. What was the most pleasantly surprising thing about Belfast? Uh, the beer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who's the most famous person you've ever taken a selfie with? A selfie? I don't do selfies, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if they made a movie about you, which actor would you want to play you? Um, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, good shape, good shape. Nice. Yes. Um, what do you put on your chips? Uh, uh, gravy and cheese. Oh, that's that's Belfast. That's the Belfast idea. <laughs> what what's your go to karaoke song? Sorry, say it again. What would your go to karaoke song be? Um, uh, Friends in Low Places. Nice, <laughs> killing it. He's killing it. Which emoji? Which emoji do you use the most? He's not going to know what emojis are. Man. <laughs> well, there, there's this one with a, a smile on it, and I think it's a turd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair enough um, starter, starters or desserts uh, desserts for sure um, can you speak any foreign languages sometimes <laughs> can, can you touch your nose with your tongue absolutely not um, did you just try not even close <laughs> George look, we look forward to catching up with you can't wait to see you back on the ice in the uh, Stephen Murphy testimonial cup coming. And we'll thank yeah. you very, very much for your time tonight. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thank you again. Hi, folks. Murph here from Free Sports. Join us live from the Spectrum in Kill for this Wednesday, January 30th as the Flames host the Steelers in exclusive EIHL coverage. Guilford currently in sixth on 44 points as they look to get a big win on home ice. Sheffield on the other side of the puck are on the outside of the playoff pitcher looking in, and Tom Barrasso's side have dropped three straight. They're in 10th on 40 points, and this is a must-win game for the men in orange looking to keep playoff ambitions alive. Guilford's Cruz Reddick leads a potent offense for the home side, and is tied for the EIHL points lead with 54. The pregame show is from 7 p.m. with Chris Ellis, Paul Aidy, and I face off from 7.30 p.m. Tune in for the Flames versus Steelers Wednesday on Free Sports and check EliteLeague.co.uk for all your ticket needs. Thanks very much to George Owada. Uh, it would be great to see him back on the ice for uh, Stephen Murphy's testimonial. That's on the 19th of February. Get your tickets for that available now. Just go to the Belfast Giants website, belfastgiants.com, for more information. Before we move on to around the league, a quick note, because tonight's game against the, the clan is obviously the uh, the last game of the month of January, so we will be putting out for nominations of Player of the Month. Out of interest, what are your nominations, Davey? Oh, there isn't a, there, there isn't nom- it is the Josh Roach Award this month. If anybody votes for anybody but Josh Roach, come and see me. He's only <laughs> failed to score points in three games since the 1st of December. This month, there hasn't been a game where he hasn't scored a point. I don't know how tonight's going to finish for him, but, you know, 10 games in January, 2 plus 16 for 18 points. 
from the blue line. He's been sensational. Josh Roach, AVFT, P-O-T-M for January 2019. Are you going to argue that one, Joel? It's very hard to argue. Josh Roach is Okay, then. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. hey. I, I just, let me get my Blair Riley plug in. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not, no, I'm, I'm not going to touch him. The greatest of all time doesn't need a trophy every month. Uh, no, listen, Josh Roach has absolutely lit it up. He's phenomenal. Uh, he has climbed uh, week on week the the point scoring uh, rankings on, on the Elite League website. Uh, Honourable mentions for me also to Darcy Murphy. Uh, I think Darcy has the potential, if he loves this city like I do, the potential to write his name in the history books for this club. He's just consistently a threat. He's phenomenal and he keeps racking the points up. And also just for a number of big big memorable moments over the past month you have to give a word to dustin Johner as well mm. um, he's he's increasingly becoming a fan favorite you can hear the the swell of support for him when the team skates out kind of increase week on week at the minute um but i think davy's got a point with this one it's hard to look past george Rhodes. that's that's the hockey guy's pick i'm throwing paddy dwyer's name into the mix here some big goals of big time since he came back and uh, I think it's been absolutely phenomenal. But yes, some great nominations there. We'll put out for nominations from about midday on Wednesday, and we'll run the vote leading up to the weekend. That's the uh, that's the January Player of the Month sponsored by Phonacab. Right around the league, very quickly. Um, Challenge Cup, the other semi final. Of course, our semi final is ongoing at the minute. Let me have a look. Yep. It's a 2-1 game. We're playing great. <laughs> it is a 2-1 game. Unfortunately, it's 2-1 to them, but that's only the first leg. In the first leg of the other semi-final in Guildford between the Nottingham Panthers and the Guildford Flames, the Nottingham Panthers 2, the Guildford Flames 5. They'll bring that back on uh, the same night that we play the second leg. That is Valentine's night, the 14th of February, uh, to see who goes through to the Challenge Cup final in early March. Sticking with the Nottingham Panthers. It can't have you can't have missed the fact that it was Saturday night showdown. Yes, <laughs> wow! wow. <laughs> Dan, what, what you know? The uh, the Nottingham Panthers decided to do a webcast. Decided to make it free on YouTube, and Davy, it went global. Hashtag global. I thought that's when you type www that, that meant worldwide. So every every um every um what would you call them webcast that's ever been done. Went global, but not quite as global because, as as I sent you a message with you and Brooks earlier on, YouTube's actually blacked out in a lot of countries, so just you didn't go global. Uh, look, good <laughs> for anything to have fault with the Nottingham Panthers. Never forget, never forget. But you know, it's good that eventually they've came into the, the modern days, and it, it bodes well that you know going forward potentially we've got a couple of games upcoming against them ourselves. It would be nice that you know with that big C between some of us and and them. And uh, the Bristol Channel for me, but um, you know, it's good that they're getting out there. It was well viewed according to their stats, whatever way they managed to multiply the minutes up to, to make it sound absolutely fantastic. Fifty-seven million minutes watched or something. Um, <laughs> but look, fair play them, and it and it coughed up one of the most controversial moments of of the Elite League season. It is, and we're going to come straight to that. Well, we'll start off by saying that the Nottingham Panthers actually took points, took a regulation win 2-1 over the Cardiff Devils, pegging the Cardiff Devils back, who were supposed to then go up and face the Five Flyers, but due to the fact that the Five Flyers boat didn't leave Belfast until quite late on the Sunday, they didn't actually take place and take that game on. Uh, they'll go and face another day. But let's bring it back and, well... Stops. 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 Stops.
Stops. Stops. Stops. Stops. Both. Every time, every time we play that song, I do the Dops Bob. That is an absolute <laughs> banger. <laughs> about, mid- about midway th- in a, about midway through the, I think about midway through the third period, there was an incident between uh, Jaden Risling, Risling, and uh, Evan Mosey. Mosey crossing in front of the net to got absolutely cleaned out by Jane and Wrestling and opened up what was a can of worms with regards to Twitter comments and assessments and everybody looking at it about a million times and trying to decide, you know, was it a clean hit? Was it a hit to the head? People were partisan. People were bipartisan. People just wanted to wind people up. Don't know who you're <laughs> and, you know, and everybody had their opinion on something that at full speed was very difficult to make a shout on. Dops have made a shout on it and they've assessed Jane and Wrestling a six-game suspension. The key points being that it was a check to the head, reckless and endangering to on an unsuspecting opponent, a Category 2, reckless and a repeat offender for head contact during the 2018-19 uh, season. It, that isn't what the actual press release says. It says d- during the 2108-19 season. Uh, <laughs> on the other side, Lane Ulmer for the uh, Cardiff Devils has received a three-game suspension for leaving the bench. He left the bench uh, at the fight. Uh, Jane and Risling as a bit of retribution for the, what he saw as an ugly hit. He receives a three-game suspension, the key points being the player left the bench, involved in an altercation, and partic- participation in a fight deemed avoidable. Uh, regards to Risling, it means that he will miss both the games that against the Belfast Giants both this weekend and if one of the, uh, is the weekend after weekend after that uh, as part of his six game suspension. Uh, regards to the Cardiff Devils with Ulmer suspended, it looks like they may also be missing Mosey through injury. Um, Davey, I'll start with you on this one. Your assessment of it? There are so many. Um not storylines, but there's so many different ways to look at it. One, Jaden Risling has to make some sort of hit because Evan Mosey's stepping into the high slot to, on a, a great A goal scoring opportunity if, if Risling doesn't come in there. So one, his job's at stake if he doesn't make the hit. So he has to make the hit. The onus is on Risling not to hit Mosey in the head. Now, massive size difference made, made it tricky. And Mosey, as he sees him, does that little, you know, Skates go slightly further apart, legs go slightly lower, brings his elevation down ever so slightly. He catches him flush in the chin. The onus is on Risling not to hit him. I don't think he's, when he's skated across there, he's thinking, I'm going to hit him in the head here. He, he's, I think he's making an honest enough attempt. But he doesn't get it right, and he catches Mosey in the head. At full tilt, I can, you know, at full tilt was the only... The only review we had on Saturday night it was very hard to say whether or not he'd been hit or whether he'd been knocked out when he when he obviously landed badly on the ice. But you know the slow motion replays and stuff that we have and pretty good release from Dops shows that he's caught him shoulder and chin. It reminds me that I think it was might have been Ashley Tate and Brad Voth or something. Yes, Do what years that came, ago that came to mind. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, so similar kind of thing where he's caught shoulder and chin. <sighs> Mosey's been very unfortunate. I hope and pray that he's okay. We, we do not want to see anyone get injured in this league at all. You know, people are doing a job here. Yes, we're fans and we support them, but if essentially they're going to work. And more importantly, they're coming home from work and you don't want them to be altered in any way. You know, 
they're going to do a job and they want to go home to their kids and their family. So first of all, hope Mosey's okay from it. Mosey's been hit in the head three times in a week now. So there's a denominator there as well. Mosey carries himself slightly lower, head slightly down. Can't go through there with your head down either. Although to be fair, Rizling's coming from different postcode there. It's hard to see him coming, but I think there's a little bit of responsibility on everyone. But the major responsibility is on, there's no such thing. In the rule book, it's very, very clear. There is no such thing as a clean hit to the head. It doesn't matter whether it's accidental or not. You cannot hit an opponent in the head. Unfortunately, he's got it slightly wrong. I think Dobbs have got that ban right. You look the Ulmer one, you could argue one way or the other, but they've set it down in stone. You know, if you come off the bench and you have mm-hmm. a fight, minimum three games. See Ryan Fennerty will probably come on. Yeah, They've been at the, at, at the rough end of like, I think five games in the past or whatever. But, you know, as far as stops goes, I think they've got it right. Unfortunately for Rizling, unfortunately for the Panthers that they'll miss an import for six games. And I just hope that uh, Mosey makes a speedy recovery. Joe? Yeah, look, the last thing that the Elite League needs at this point in the week is my go- take on top of the masses and masses of opinion. Davey has succinctly put it very, very well there. It's, that's that's a fantastic assessment. It's a, it's a, a little bit of everything. Um, but ultimately, for me, Dops's hand was forced, and I think they did the right thing. Uh, you, you must err on the side of player safety in 2019, and you must err cautiously around hits to the head in general. Uh, I can only imagine the uproar if that had received absolutely nothing or, or a small ban. You, le- you need to look no further than the Galagos Freder incident, you know, and, and the global uproar that happened there. There's a there's a, an image of the league to uphold. Um, I think Dops acted well. I, I don't think there was malicious intent, but at the same time, what happened happened regardless of intent and, and what was in the player's mind whenever it did happen. You cannot move past that and not hand down a lengthy uh, a lengthy ban or, or some sort of direct action I think the league have this one completely spot on I think the actual assessment itself takes away attempt, uh, intent by claiming that it is reckless and you should be more in control of their heads and, but it is a difficult one like Davy says you know Moses going into the high slot he has to do something it has to be a hit it maybe is a little bit mistimed it maybe is a little bit wrong but he has to do something he's got a six game suspension for it and that's going to you know I can understand the misgivings behind it but it is what it is and same same with the Ulmer one um on the Ulmer one David you put a mention of it there are two tweets from Rand Finnerty this evening uh first one saying uh, I remember a, I remember a time for when I got fined and suspended for, quote, failure to control my bench. 2019 must have different rules. And then he follows that up about a couple of hours later, saying, hi, Elite League Dops, as he copies them in on Twitter. I've, em- I've emailed you guys, but from history, it's highly unlikely I'll get a response. So here we are. Any chance you can publicly explain the difference from our situation in Guildford and Cardiff's? Uh, I'm also aware that I'll get fined £100 do you mind if I put it to charity? He's obviously upset, Davey, <laughs> at the fact that you know he he's I think he might have had two suspensions now for failing to control his players. He's had suspensions from the bench. Look, Finner's got a lot more money, so I'm not going to get myself a hundred pound fine by saying I agree with him, even if I do. Okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Joel, you don't want to comment either. Me and Ryan, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> me and Ryan Finner are friends now, and uh, it's. 
beautiful relationship. Uh, it was six or seven years ago, whenever he was, I think, still with Sheffield, that I tore into him as a young buck on Twitter. And uh, my my profile photo at the time was me wearing an American football helmet. I was still playing for the Cark Knights at the time. And his response was, hey, bud, I think all of your chins going to be inside that chin strap. <laughs> so I don't want to go back to those dark days of Frank Finnerty calling me fat, even though he was right. We're good friends now, and I'm not touching it. <laughs> one thing, one final thing before we move on from it, Davey, is uh, Nottingham making it clear that they wanted to appeal, but they were unable to. It's a very strange one. I, I thought the appeals process was you just you couldn't you couldn't um, appeal a match penalty as in just one game. This situation where you can't appeal as, from their press release, my reading of it anyway. You correct me if I'm wrong here. You can't appeal anything less than an eight game suspension. Yeah, um, that's that's the way they've put it in their press release. Seems in, seems incre- incredibly excessive that you, you because an eight game suspension. If you see the damage and the the chat around this six game suspension, which I think is probably right, what on earth do you have to do to get an eight game suspension? When was the last time there was anything more than a six? Was it uh, was it Joe Stump Grimaldi and his helmet flinging in Nottingham? That was. There's been a few big bans over the years, but I can't think of any like major major <laughs> bans. Like even Fredders, I think, was only about yeah. six games for his ridiculous assault on. Derek Spiro. Campbell got a million after he went off the off the out of the ice and started fighting people in big one. Like I remember, but yeah. that's a really high precedent to set for appeals. Surely, I, look, I, I know the the appeals process um, for. I think there's only been one appeal. And it was successfully reduced. Was it um, Cardiff successfully reduced the ban on someone there a number of years ago? But it's it's a it's a real rigmarole, and it's a quite. The, expensive was that the um, Tyson March incident? Tyson March, I think so. Um, was, was sorry, was the Fredder one increased on appeal, or was that just because of the backlash? There, there, there was no appeal. Fredder one, as far as I, I think, Fredder's was it was increased Dop, though, wasn't it? Yeah, Dops, Dops, who was what he called him at the time, the the ex ref Simon Kirkham, was it? Yeah, um, give one give ban, and then the world and his wife got involved <laughs> in it because uh, right. that was just a ridiculous situation. It was a disgusting, on premeditated attack on the ice, and shouldn't have been allowed. And I think that's that's where the whole you know, move towards new dops if you lie sites and all those ones coming in and run by Mike Hicks and the whole thing is better now. You cannot argue that that press release that came from dops today wasn't clear, concise, you know, structured, explained everything to the nth degree. One as question. How came to their decision. Yeah. One question. Um, no what, instig- what, what instigated the review? Uh, well, any anything that has a major is now reviewed. So, so the, fi- the, the problem, fight had a major. The fight had a major. If, if Ulmer hadn't came off the bench, and there wouldn't have been a five-minute major, then there'd have been nothing to review. Though I believe Mike Hicks was in the building. He which was. was. That's the only thing I can think of. Is the um, fact that but, but, no, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it shouldn't have been reviewed. I'm. I 100 think it should have been reviewed. But I. St- there was no call on the actual play. That's because, like, we looked at it a hundred times. And we weren't sure as to whether it was, you know, it was it was clean or not, and they've deemed it not to be. So I can't. I see a lot of people pointing fingers at Tom Darnell, saying, "Well, look, he's got a six-game ban, and you didn't call it on the night." I don't think anybody could have called it on the night. It was, you know, it's it's taken about a million replays slowed right down to the nth yeah. degree to call yeah, it. 100%. But so, so what are we going to do? Give be, suspend Tom Darnell? 
No, no, I'm not saying that. I, don't I know, know you're not saying that, but that's I the same sort of I think that's nonsense. the nonsense that you come across with at times. But what I'm saying is, is the fact that it wasn't called on the night. And therefore, because Hicks was in the building, he was able to say, we need to review that. That doesn't happen in every single game. No, that's the, because there was a five-minute major. Every five-minute, every it's either a game or a match penalty that's called can be reviewed. And, if, and so I'm saying if Ulmer had stayed on the bench and there hadn't been, that review would have had to be by Cardiff to cite the hit. And then you get into the, the minutiae of, do we cite them because they're playing Belfast next week? And do we want to weaken an opposition? Or do we want to support a player? And do we? Is it about player safety, or is it about not weakening the opposition? This is why I think things should be reviewed where possible, without a team having to cite them. Yeah, I think that's a that's a long, long consultation. I think we'll have, and no doubt we'll have it another time. We're going to move it on. Before I move it on to the next point, the game is over now. As, as you already know, the, the score is two one two. The Glasgow clan, that's the end of the first leg. I know there was a clearance of the line by Tansky in the dying minutes that nearly made it 2-2. It also means I've got a, I've got a, a, a goal sound here on the board I was hoping to use. I'm not going to use it now. So disappointed, I'm Very Patty. disappointed. I'm so very disappointed. disappointed. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not even going to use it. I'll save it uh. for another day. Uh, but yes, 2-1, they'll bring that back for the second leg on the 14th of February at the SSE Arena. Final point of around the league before we start to wrap up the show. Um... I can't not mention it. Uh, Joel, 6-0, the clan hammered the Sheffield Steelers to give them their worst home defeat in Elite League history. I, I don't know about you guys, but that, that for that for me is just something that you hate to see. You hate, you hate to see that. You just you just don't like seeing that whatsoever. I'm just you know yeah, you have to feel for them. It's just Do you? No, not at all. It's fantastic. <laughs> they went on. They went on. They went on the next day to go to Manchester, and despite having a lead, they lost in overtime. Davey, you can tell that Tom Barrasso is not a happy man. Even in the game, the six nil six nil defeat to the the clan, he said that he was asked by Dave Sims, you know, "What do you do?" He says, "I'll just sit them. I don't care. They'll sit. If they don't want to play. They'll sit. If he sits them, they'll lose more games." <laughs> Yeah, I, I just you know it looks like every time they can see the goal, they give Brandon whistle a biscuit. But um, <laughs> you know he got a bit of ice time and suddenly come point. But you know it's not going well. Tom Barrasso looked absolutely apoplectic in that. Um, and what's wrong with Joel? Yeah, Um, you know Barrasso's interview was was a thing of beauty. It's the passion you want to see, but. Yes, in this short bench league already, you can't be sitting in ports. But if they don't buy in, I like the, I like this sort of statement where if I'm going to lose as a coach or I'm going to effectively get sacked as a coach or not be re-signed as a coach, it'll be down to me and it'll not be down to players not doing what I'm asking them to do. And there's obviously players not just buying into the system. And you know, locker rooms have that real potential to, to lose a coach's job. That, that you know, For me, that locker has to be down a little bit the recruitment, but that locker room lost a very good coach in Paul Thompson's job earlier in the season. They've gassed a lot of players. They've made a lot of changes. Barrasso's came in. You, you know, we've got accused of, of giving Barrasso stick. Barrasso's one of the very best coaches in Europe, and he can't get a tune out of that fiddle. So there's something that stinks there at the minute, and it, it's going to need a real clear out again in the summer. And Paddy, then what do they do? What in a moment of genius? What do they do? Like two days after. On this day, one okay. year ago, your Sheffield Steelers defeated the Stenoline Belfast Giants 8-0 in Sheffield. I was there. It was a horrible night. But who, boys? Ten points, if you can tell me. 
Who was the Giants goaltender that night? What a ridiculous tweet to put out when you're under pressure that you've basically put out, publicized a video of your current netminder getting destroyed. Days after a 6 0 And I'm not, I'm not getting stuck into whist there. I mean, yeah, everybody has a bad day. That is terrible PR and marketing. Unbelievable. <sighs> hilarious anyway right let's move on one more thing to talk about i want to talk about the forthcoming games belfast giants at home for two games against the coventry blaze on saturday at 7 p.m and against those nottingham panthers on sunday at 4 p.m looking to continue that league winning run let's let's not talk about tonight uh, let's talk about that league winning run and keep those points coming because with cardiff dropping points to Nottingham and also having now being having Lane Ulmer, who's a clutch player for them, suspended. The Giants have a real opportunity to put more pressure on those lead leading Cardiff Devils. The Blaze, they're a little bit resurgent at the minute. The Panthers probably riding high off that win over the Cardiff Devils. Joe, I'll start with you this weekend. Yeah, Blaze, obviously, I've seen the webcasts. We're 2 0 against them so far in, in the season uh, and we've played well. Not any to go and get your points and it never has been uh, they're a bit of an unknown obviously because we haven't seen them in, in real life and we haven't brought them over to Belfast I'm interested to see how the Giants do this weekend I think the Nottingham Panthers are dangerous as well regardless of, of them having their own slip-ups and their own internal issues this year they're a dangerous team who, who can humble you and, and if you look at the, the weekend that's just passed there as, as has been said by, by you boys you know we have the six points and we are fantastic that's, that's more than I could have asked for but we did just enough we didn't dominate the Fife Flyers uh, we dominated the Milton Keynes Lightning, let's be honest, but that's a bit of a, a swollen statistic, isn't it? You know, you can't really look at that as a as a true guide to your form. Um, I also respect that we're playing a lot of games right now and that we've been through the mill emotionally in terms of the, the Continental Cup weekend, the Cardiff weekend, and then straight into four games in five days. We've just done enough in Glasgow tonight. I just hope that we can take a couple of days now, uh, reset the clocks, have a skate, get the bodies fresh, and just go into this weekend ready to battle. And it's those little memory lapses and those little... Uh, those little sort of mistakes and, and throwaway things that all mount up to, to losing games and losing points. Not trying to sound pessimistic tonight. I just hope, and I know because look who our head coach is, but I, I hope that the team are now aware acutely that every small piece of work that you do and every small commitment and every small sacrifice that you make are what adds up to a championship contender team. It's no nights off. It's no chefs off from here on in. So it's game on. Davey? What he said? <laughs> <laughs> I hope we win. So yeah, I think I think we leave it at that, Davey. I know you don't like talking about things like like previewing games like that, and that's perfectly fine. The games against the Blaze seven p.m. on Saturday. If you can't get down to the SSC Giants Live TV or Giants TV, sorry, Giants Live TV, Giants TV, uh, I will cover it as they will the four p.m. game against the Nottingham Panthers um, on Sunday. Any other business? I'm just going to start with any other business, just with a quick thing that happened. I don't know, as you started talking there, Joel, I don't know if the mic picked it up, but there was an almighty roar came through the window, and that's because I think Manchester United must have equalised against Burnley. But my goodness, I'm looking around, I thought something was going on outside, and I've just realised that it was coming from Old Trafford. Uh, so, yeah, 2-2, two, two, Davey. There you go. Oh, goes oh, on. Cheers. I, I didn't. I didn't even know. Is that some artistic? Is that <laughs> artistic license, Paddy, or are I, you I, actually? I, not I, I know. It's basically, all the way through this, I'm keeping an eye on the fact that Man City are still losing two one. It's finished two two at Old Trafford. Uh, any other business, gentlemen? I'll jump in with a quick one. Uh, we we didn't catch it earlier, but on 
for I think it was Friday night. Um, nasty puck was flipped off uh, off the kind of uh, glass mid ice and, and into the crowd, and, and it caught somebody kind of flushing the head. It seemed to be quite a bad one, so um, I, th- I think there was a bit of uh, a bit of blood and whatever else. And the medics came down to have a look. So whoever that is, I don't know if it's a regular fan, somebody just there for a night. I hope they're okay, and, and that it was. Uh, and I'm sure it was dealt with swiftly by the arena staff and the team there. And um, there was very obvious concern from everyone, from Shane Johnson to, to Steve Thornton and all the guys up in media, and it's lovely to see kind of everybody kind of. Uh, zeroing in on it and making sure that the person's okay but just just best wishes to whoever that was and, and I hope it's not too bad Anything for you David? A little serious one Paddy Okay Put my DJ voice on um, Mental health guys there, there's, a, there's a few guys out there you know we've all had our little things going on and uh, if you ever want to just shoot a fat shoot us a message on Twitter or whatever just talk about hockey talk about life or whatever you know who you are if you need to we're always here just for a bit of laugh and a bit of banter and a bit of serious chat if you want it, but just pick up the phone, let your fingers do the talking and send us a message and we're there to chat. Couldn't agree more. Fantastic. Yeah, totally agree. It's a big time. Bell, let's talk. I think it's coming up soon as well and on Twitter and a lot of messages going out. You can see them all over, but yes, uh, great, 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 uh, great statement there, Davey, and wholeheartedly agree. Um, and on that note, a big thanks to Super George Awada for joining us on the show. Uh, the games against the Coverley Blaze and the Nottingham Panthers, 7pm and 4pm on Saturday and Sunday respectively. Get yourself down to the SSE Arena or follow it with Sis and whoever's on CoComs. Like, it's, it, it changes up every week now. And on Giants TV. Um, lads, thanks very much for your time. Thanks, boys. Pleasure as always. And wherever you are this weekend, we hope you enjoy your hockey. We'll catch you here next time on A View from the Bridge. This is Jack Kelly and the Nighthawk on KJCM 98.3 and your FM dial. Good night, America, wherever you are. Sports Social Podcast Network.